Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Twelve to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Uh, we heard a bit from the Wallabies in the Fiji camp straight after their game yesterday. A few more developments I uh, just want to touch on before we move on to some other games. And Eddie Jones has provided a concerning injury update. He thought it yesterday, but overnight it's come out that Will Skelton and Taniella Tupo um, have a must-win match, do the Wallabies ahead of Wales. Uh, he said Skelton, Will Skelton was a last-minute withdrawal from the Wallabies team to take on the Fijians, while Tupo was ruled out earlier in the week with a hamstring injury. And ahead of Australia's date with destiny this weekend, Coach Eddie Jones confirmed that both Skelton and Tupo will not play against Wales in Leon. He basically said neither are going to be available and uh, that's what he told the reporters after the loss. Now, Will Skelton missed the Wallabies' captain run at the stadium on Saturday and was reportedly nowhere to be found as the players and Jones assembled for a team photo. Wasn't even at the team photo. Uh, Jones insisted the Wallabies weren't playing mind games ahead of the pool clash, which means he might be, uh, but the team just wanted to give Will Skelton every opportunity to play. But after the full-time whistle sounded, uh, Skelton could be seen wearing a moon boot, and so it doesn't look good for the skipper of the Wallabies. Jones insisted that Skelton and Tupo are both expected to return later in the tournament, but it does not include their next match against the Welsh. And of course they had that famous loss to the Wallabies, and the Aussie media have absolutely ripped into them. Um, Now they have the youngest squad, at the World Cup with Jones overlooking the the likes of, I still can't believe that Michael Hooper didn't go, and also Quay Cooper and Bernard Foley didn't go. So Christy Doran um, in, her, in the Raw in Australia wrote, the Wallabies' worst fears have been realised. Eddie Jones's men must beat Wales in Leon <clears throat> next weekend or risk becoming the first Australian side to miss the quarterfinals. Without Will Skelton and Taniella Tupo, Jones's men were smashed in the contact zone. Peter Fitzsimons, former Wallaby, he conceded that the win was a great result for the World Cup. He wrote in the Sydney Morning Herald, as devastating as it is for the Wallabies, it's a great result for world rugby at this World Cup. The Fijian victory over England a month ago was no fluke. They are great, they are superbly coached side now, and officially have arrived on the world stage. Let the word go forth. Rugby World Cups are no longer a matter of the Six Nations sides plus South Africa, New Zealand and Australia, with the rest just making up the numbers. On their day, you feel like the Fijians could beat just about any side. And the last one comes out of, actually, um, he's now on the board of Rugby Australia, which sacked Rennie and appointed Jones. Uh, He says they have some explaining to do because this was an unmitigated disaster that the struggling code may never recover from. 
the Wallabies are now facing the mortifying prospect of failing to make it out of the group stage for the first time ever. Uh, the British press, Ben Coles and the Telegraph said Fiji were comprehensively the better side, a sign not only of their remarkable growth in a short space of time this year under Simon Raibalui, but also how far the Wallabies have dramatically fallen. The most shocking thing about the game, he said, was how normal it all felt. And Fiji, Seremiah uh, Bai, part of the coaching team, he's reflected on what a historic occasion and highly structured and clinical performance they put on. Now, Seremiah uh, Bai, he played 53 times for his country and he spoke yesterday about how the Fijian Druids' rise to prominence in recent years has positively impacted the team's progress. He said, I think it has a massively... Um, beneficial effect on us. You can see the result against Australia. Previously, we have had only our domestic competition called the Skipper Cup, provincial local comp in Fiji. We select local base players from there and then you try and match up with the professionals who play overseas. There's no real professionalism in our Fiji local comp and it's taken a bit of a time for them to adjust. But with the Drua, you see not only do they try and educate them around being professional, they also give them game time, quality game time at the super level, and I think it's a massively positive part of the development of rugby, and you can see the way most of the boys who play in the Drua, it's really improved the performance of the team. He went on to say, if you want to be the best, so we're talking about the Fiji national side again, if you want to be the best, you have to play with the best. And New Zealand and Australia are not far away geographically from Fiji. I think you have seen the local boys for the Drua the second year they managed to reach the quarterfinal. So imagine how we can perform as a national team consistently. And he says, I'll give you an example. I played for Fiji for 14 years and I got 53 test matches. Guys in Australia and New Zealand, they can only play for six or seven years, and they managed to play 100 tests. As we've seen from the likes of Samoa, the new eligibility laws will certainly benefit the Pacific Islands in the future, and it'll be a big bonus, because I think players who played previously in Tier 1 nations, such as the All Blacks and Australia coming back, would give us and the Fijian boys the mindset that they learned from. It'll be a benefit for the players and the environment, but do keep in mind, we have a lot of young local talent. That's the beauty of rugby in Fiji, the amount of talent we have. And of course, they have a bit of a break now. They play Georgia in Bordeaux on the 30th of September. Now, the press conferences weren't available to us yesterday on the show, but we have got some audio for you out of the Japan camp. Of course, head coach Jamie Joseph was part of the press conference. He was asked for his initial reaction after that loss. Yeah, look, look, I'm incredibly proud of the guys in terms of how they uh, tried to execute our plan. It was obviously um, parts of the game uh, that surprised England in terms of our kicking game and put them under a lot of pressure and created opportunities for us. Um, well, I guess what we learned from that is the opportunities that were created, we didn't really take them, we made too many mistakes. Uh, and that's test match rugby. Um, and, you know, they, they are an experienced test rugby side and over the course of the time they were able to wear us down and um, and that again that's that's the nature of of our game at the highest level and uh, it's disappointing for us there's a you know, the boys put a lot of emotional effort into uh, this week um, it was a, it was a match that we were I guess picking for um, but you know well, there's a lot of learnings out of that um, we dealt with a lot of pressure and that's going to be crucial leading into the next two matches against Samoa and, and Argentina. Jamie, when you come back to the Highlanders, leave your learnings in Japan. 
please. Um, he was asked by a Japanese journalist, actually, if he was happy with the strategy they took into the game. Yeah, I think you're right, uh, Tamikuchi san in terms of we had a lot of disruptions. We had early injuries to Masarawa. Um, we had uh, G1 um, rib cartilage, early injuries. But again, you know, like for me, that's that's part of test match footy. Guys, guys have just got to step up and do the job. Um, I was really happy with um, the intent and effort of our players. We just made too many mistakes under the pump. And if you're going to beat England, you've just got to you've got to, for a tier two team, a team like us uh, from Japan to take on a powerhouse like England. We've got to get all of those things right. And we just we just didn't do that, and uh, and we paid the consequences for it. Next next game's a different game. We play Samoa. Um, they've got a match now against Argentina. Uh, we're very tired and sore. They'll be very tired and sore. So it's a it's a different it's a different kettle of fish next week or, or whenever it is. But we've got a couple of days off, and I think it's important for our boys to enjoy a bit of South of France. Um, you know they're hurting in there, but uh, it's footy. It was put to Coach Jamie that they struggled to clear the ball from the red zone. Was he concerned about that? No, no I, I think it's pressure. You know, like it's pretty good on Tuesdays and Thursdays when we're when we're training against guys and you know the passive defenders. But you know, we're playing England again. They put us under a lot of pressure. I, I guess they had plans to put us under a lot of pressure in those areas. Um, you know, our halfbacks and our players aren't as big as the English players, but we get that every week, and we've just got to be better. You know, so. Yep. Um, I thought our short kicking game was the part that, you know, we never really capitalised on. You know, not a lot of teams will, will kick short uh, against a team like England because, well, like we found out, you know, if you, if you get it wrong, uh, they'll punish you, you know, which is what they did, you know, when we're exiting from one of our... One of our kickoff receipts, but you know there were so many opportunities with that short kicking game where we knocked the ball on or we made a mistake, and they could have put the you know the English under a lot of pressure, and so that's that's the disappointing part for us. And the last question to Jamie Joseph, head coach of Japan, was: Are you happy with how hard your team is working? This team is a hard working team, and I don't think we can work any harder. We've just got to get a little bit better at the crucial parts of the test match and he may often goes, you know, we've got to work harder and work harder. I'm not sure we can work any harder, uh, but we've got to execute better under pressure. And that's the big thing that's coming out of, out of today's match. And it's something that we'll be working on next week. And sometimes it's not just working hard, sometimes it's just doing things slightly differently and thinking slightly differently. That does it. And the next game is against Samoa. It's next Friday, live, September 29, on ECNZ Commentary, brought to you here on ECNZ by Scotty Sumo, Stevenson and Stephen Donald. In fact, they were commentators at the last Rugby World Cup together on the TV. So reunited, and it feels so good, I am sure. Uh, we will take a break, and on the other side, we'll catch up with some sights and sounds out of the English camp. to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Let's go into the English camp now. Obviously on the back of their win over, uh, bonus point win over the Japanese. Uh, straight after the game pitch side, Joe Marler uh, was joined by a British uh, presenter. And if you remember, Courtney Law's try came off uh, a bit of a falcon. It was a headed try assist. Uh, Joe Marlow was asked, is that the best try assist of your career? Um, it was planned. You won't believe this, but uh, me, Dan Cole, 
and Jamie George in our activation warm-up back at the hotel. Uh, part of it was practicing our headers and uh, came to fruition tonight. It was a timely score because it sensed that there was a bit of frustration, but to get the bonus point win in the end, you must be very pleased with that. We are happy with it. We, we know it was tough out there, and that's because Japan never gave up and they're a quality outfit. I love the way they, they go about their business. I love the way they play their rugby. Um, and, and we had to be at our, our grittiest to get through that and come away with a bonus point. So we're happy with that. You're finding different ways to win, short turnaround against the Chile. So how does the team continue to grow going into the next game? Well, we'll enjoy ourselves tonight. Um, we're making sure that we do enjoy our victories here. And then we'll reset Monday, Tuesday. In fact, tomorrow, I think we might have a paddle tournament. Oh, God. How am I going to get up for that? I'm partnered with Steve as well. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. Um, but then we'll look at Chile on Tuesday because we know that the spirited uh, performance that they gave and all the, all the other supposed Tier 2 nations in this tournament have been, have been putting out big performances. So we'll have to be on the money again. There's Joe Marler uh, straight after the match. Now, you think Ian Foster's under the pump uh, as coach of the All Blacks. Steve Borthwick probably even more so with the English press, who aren't relentless, who are relentless. So first question in the press conference, just ask for his initial thoughts on the win over Japan. Yeah, the players have done tremendously well. I think that was a, a really tough test match against a really well-coached Japanese side um, who clearly came with a... Uh, a tactical plan and play the game differently to I think anybody else in the world plays and the players did 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 tremendously well through that game to get the result Steve Borthwick there um, he was asked that their style of plays quite often criticised particularly last week uh, three drop goals and a bunch of penalties but he was asked if he was happy with the style of play of England um, I think the ultimately at the end of the day the players find a way and that's the, that's the important thing that they find a way. And um, in these conditions, it's challenging. It was challenging for both teams. Whether you see a Japan team that kicked the ball 37 times today, I'm not sure when you'd see a Japan team that kicks the ball 37 times. And that gives you a sign of the nature of it. The Fiji win earlier on tonight, score one try off a box kick. Um, it tells you a lot about what's going on, what what the challenge is. So for the players to go there tonight and. Uh, find a way of scoring four tries and ultimately the, the cohesion built through the game and we knew every bit of information was telling us about that last quarter was going to be the important quarter it was going to be a tight we talked a week about we felt this game could be tight and the last quarter is where we need to accelerate and, and the boys did that he touched a few times there on the conditions so skipper Courtney Laws was also at the presser he was asked how difficult the conditions are to play in yeah, it was it was tough. Even when uh, you got a good grasp of it, grasp of it, you're going into contact, and it's 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 kind of can feel it almost spilling out of your hands sometimes before you've even made contact and stuff like that. So yeah, it's actually really really quite challenging at the minute because it's just so greasy. It's hot. It's really humid. So you're you're really sweaty, and yeah, it makes for uh, pretty much like a wet weather game out there. Back to Steve Borthwick, head coach. What did he make of the Japanese team tactics? So the the Japan team tonight. Uh, played what I thought was incredibly smart and unorthodox rugby. The use of the attacking kick 
kicks over the rook, um, kicks behind the defensive line. Um, I've not seen Japan use it to that extent. And I thought they did that tremendously well. Um, so it's immense credit to them. And, and there was a couple of bounces of the ball that, uh, that we had to fight very hard for. Um, so I thought that was a very, very good Japanese team. It's clearly really well coached. Of course, Steve Borthwick, he's been head coach for nine months when he took over from Eddie Jones. He was asked if he's happy with his progress. So I think that um, having the full coaching team together for this summer has been um, a, a opportunity for us to work as hard as we can to make his ground quickly. And I think what you're seeing is strides in the, some of the fundamentals aspects of the game. And I think you're seeing growth now in our attack. And I think we're going to see more growth in that attack. It's always the way that you build the fundamentals through your defence, your kicking game, your, defend, your set piece and your breakdown. And then the attack is always, always takes the longest to come because it takes cohesion. And you see teams that have had four years, some teams have had eight years, with the same, same coaching team to build through that. We've had three or four months with our full coaching team in place. So what we're doing, as Courtney talked about, is working exceptionally hard every day to move forward. He was then asked to <clears throat> respond to comments in the UK media that this England team is weak. That's never been my opinion of the team. Um, if it's an opinion that's been shared by other people, that's their opinion. I believe I've got a group of players, like the man next to me, who know what it is to perform on the big stage. And I think you're going to see this team develop. We've still got a lot of growth in us. You see um, players of quality that are going to start coming back. You know, Owen Farrell becomes available next week. Tom Curry, who's only played a couple minutes in this tournament, will become available the following week. And I think I said this many times. I said the team was preparing for the tournament. I said the team had an immense quality throughout it that it want to perform on the biggest of stages. And again, the boys showed that tonight. He touched on Owen Farrell being available very, very shortly. Well, George Ford, uh, their first five, he's been playing very, very well. So he was asked, with Ford playing well and Farrell due to come back, does that pose him a problem? You describe it as a problem. I describe it as well, a fantastic squad of players that I have the privilege to work with. Strength and depth across the squad that I'm sure a lot of countries would look um, enviably, em in an envious manner for. So I see I've got the privilege to work with these great players and we'll continue to work this week. We play Chile next week and that's our sole focus, nothing beyond Chile. We build towards Chile next Saturday in Lille and I, I expect there to be another huge English um, contingent in the crowd who again I think it's important I know I said it in the week I said it last week as well those supporters out there were outstanding outstanding they pay a lot of money to come and travel overseas and follow this team and we're very fortunate to have them Interesting stuff interesting stuff so that's Steve Borthwick and Courtney Laws from the English press conference after their game England's next game is against Chile on Sunday morning at 4.45, just a reminder, 
if your field of dreams, being a sports club, community club, if it needs an upgrade, you can win a complete sports field renovation, PGG rights and turf. They're going to do it for you. You just head to the win page, go to the SENZ website uh, or the app, and that's where you can enter. Just find the win tab. Away you go, fill your boots. Someone's got to win. It's free entry. Someone's going to win. So avail yourself of that opportunity. We've got more stories coming out of South Africa and the World Cup in general. That's after the news. Sport and weather with Johnny Mack. Twelve to one every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup headline hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Right, um, just a slight diversion, still Rugby World Cup. Um, there's been a report come out. Um, it's a really interesting report called Every Foreign-Born Player at the Rugby World Cup 2023. Um, all rugby players dream to one day represent their own country on the biggest stage. Of course, a player can represent country by ancestry or residency, but it's really, really interesting <clears throat> to have a look at the players that make up a certain team who are foreign-born. So here we go. New Zealand. We have nine foreign-born players. Nepalalala, Samoa. Ofa Tuungofasi, Tonga. Tyrell Lomax, Australia. Samasoni Tokiaho, Tonga. Shannon Frizzell, Tonga. Finley Christie, Scotland. Lesta Whaenganuku, Tonga. Amoni Narawa, who sadly has now come home, Fiji. France have two. Uh, Paul Williams, the South African-born lock. And Yuini Antonio, one of their props, born in New Zealand, playing for France. Italy have 12, with players from Argentina, Germany, New Zealand, England, Zimbabwe, France, and Wales. South Africa have zero. Zero. Not a, not a a lot of South Africans live around the world, but I get the feeling a lot of people don't go and live in South Africa. That's just my feeling, and that's potentially why. Ireland, they have eight foreign-born players. Um, Finlay uh, Bealham, he's a prop, he's from Australia. Rob Herring's a hooker from South Africa. Joe McCarthy, he's a lock from America, born in America. Jeremy Loughman, lock, born in America. New Zealand-born Jamison Gibson-Park and James Lowe and Bundy Aki and Mac Hansen. He was born in Australia. Scotland, they have 15 foreign-born players. I won't read all their names, but they were born in South Africa, South Africa, Wales, Canada, England, Australia, England, 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 Ireland, France, England, South Africa, Australia, South Africa. 15. That's almost half. Tonga, they have 20 foreign-born players playing for them. Uh, 16 New Zealanders and four, 16 born in New Zealand, four born in Australia. Romania have nine, mostly from France, USA and Tonga. Wales have 10, six English-born players, and the others are Australian and Tongan. Uh, Australia have seven foreign-born players made up of Tonga, Fiji and Kiwis. Fiji have five, have three New Zealand-born and two Aussie-born. Portugal have ten 
French-born players. England have a Scots-born, a South African-born, an Australian-born, a Samoan-born, and a Philippines-born. Philippines-born Marcus Smith. Japan have 18 foreign-born players made up of Tonga, New Zealand, Fiji, Australia, Thailand, and South Africa. Argentina have none. They're all Argentinian-born. Chile have three, and Samoa have 24 foreign-born players, all made up from Australia and New Zealand. I just found that quite fascinating. Um, Particularly Scotland, I think, was the one that surprised me. What did I say Scotland had? 15. Italy have 12. It really is a changing changing face of New Zealand rugby, uh, of world rugby, I should say. Right, we shall take a break. We've got uh, an interesting chat between... Um, Andrew Timble, Rob Carney, former Irish players and the former Scottish coach Matt Williams talking about the big clash this weekend, South Africa against Ireland and we just have a little grab from Jacques Ninabar, the Springboks coach who's always so eloquent. So we'll take those after this break. 12 to 1 every weekday during Rugby World Cup 2023. This is the Rugby World Cup Headline Hour on Afternoons with Staffy. Let's have a listen in to Andrew Timble. He's a former Irish um, winger, centre. Rob Carney, who is a wonderful, wonderful fullback. And Matt Williams, former Scottish coach. They were talking and they were interested. Are Ireland ready? Are they ready to face South Africa this weekend? I'm, I'm borderline positive. Okay. Which for you is, you know... Super positive. Yeah, you're trying to create this caricature here, no, no. and I'm kind of reluctant. But there is, there is. Um, I have been concerned. I think after the small game, I was concerned. And against Romania, you can't fix all those problems. Mm. Um, last night, there was enough to show that they, and we'll go through it in, yeah. in a bit. But there's enough to show that they've still got a few tricks up their sleeve. Um, I would just be slightly happier if those those passes were just sticking a little bit more yeah. because I think this South African defence is going to be like anything, uh, like something they haven't experienced before and they have to be so crisp and sharp. They have to outsmart this South African defence. Yeah. You can't go toe-to-toe. I think any other team that Ireland played over the last, um, any of the warm-ups or through to the, uh, the World Cup so far, Plan B can always be go toe-to-toe and beat them up and then get your momentum back. You can't do that against South Africa. You always have to outsmart them. Yeah. And if, you're, if, if your passing isn't crisp enough, then that, that becomes a want in your game. I think that's part of the problem with the games that we've played over the last three, four months. If, if we've been very honest about it, we haven't played against a very good team yet. Mm. Um, and that's why it's, it's hard for us to, to sit here and give a really pinpoint accurate assessment of exactly where this team are at mm. because if we've been honest I don't think we really know because we, we haven't got the, the standard of opposition yet that game last night was definitely another step in the right direction I think it was brilliant to have a period of time in that game where we had to defend a lot mm. because we didn't have to defend against Romania and you always want to get tested on that because there's going to be a huge amount of tests uh, next week but my only concern would be is South Africa going to really come out of the blocks and shock Ireland a little bit because they haven't faced anything like that in a while which is not their fault nothing they can do about it just a reality of the calendar so Rob even just chatting to you briefly before coming in air it's worth stating you really were disappointed in Tonga That, that is the context for this win you can't fault 59 points on the board but you did not think Tonga were good 
No, I, d I didn't. And, and like you say, you can't fault Ireland at all for that. And I think a little bit of the narrative before the game, after the team selection was, we're very much respecting the opposition. Mm. And Andy Farrell was right to pick this mm. team because Tonga are going to be that good. They've got some All Blacks coming back. Um, but I didn't think they were good at all, particularly their front five. I thought they were... Uh, they were lazy, they were unfit, they were good at set-piece, but in general play, um, I thought they were very, very poor. Okay. And, and that's why Ireland scored some of the tries they did around the ruck, which were brilliantly thought out, really well done, but Tonga was a huge disappointment. Mm. Especially when we've seen what Fiji have done. Yeah. Because everybody was excited about Samoa, Fiji, Tonga, but people were probably most excited about Tonga yeah. and what they can bring yeah. to the World Cup, and Fiji have been incredible. Mm. Yeah. So that's probably what we should expect from, from these teams now. Matt, where are you then on Ireland as we've counted down to this game for so long? Uh, look, what the boys have said is really accurate. Um, I think they're on track. But this this pool they're in and their path to a semi-final via their quarter-final, th this is going to be cigarette paper stuff. You know, mm. this is millimetres, this is the day, how they turn out. Um, I, I know they've got a structure, which we'll show later on, that can get around the South African defence if they do exactly what Trimby just said, which is great passing, and it's also exactly what Robbie said. If you look at South Africa, the three big losses they've had over the last few years to Australia and Adelaide, to um, Ireland at the Aviva and to New Zealand in Christchurch last year, mm. teams scored early and put scoreboard pressure on them. Yes. And they don't like that. They don't like chasing a game. They like to strangle a game with their forwards. And if, if Ireland can start fast, which they, they have done under Andy Farrell, to be fair, for the last couple of years, they've started fast. If they get a, a, a scores in front, that will put pressure on them. Mm. But if they let South Africa come out, like Robbie said, they come out really steamy and South Africa get their points up, that's when South Africa just, just yeah. absolutely strangle the game. But Ireland have the structure and framework and personnel to get around that. So, so I think they're, really, they're right in the Good hunt. Shape. Yeah. They're right in the hunt. Yeah, interesting. A lot of coaches have been talking about fast starts and how important that is. Um, and a lot of games, uh, South Africa have started very, very quickly. Uh, Jacques Ninabar, the South African coach, he was asked if that's been the message they've been pushing as a coaching staff and as a team. You, you can't plan for a good or bad start, but you can plan for, or you can start with intensity. And, and that's because, I mean, sometimes you're going you're gonna to score early or you're not going to score early. You can, can concede early, but it, 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 it is what it is. But I think um, you can always start with intensity because that's under your control. I don't think having a good start in terms of getting points on the board is in, always in your control. Sometimes... Destiny is just not in your in your way, but I thought that we, we started with massive intensity uh, today, so very happy about that. Very interesting this game this weekend. It's uh, I think it's the apart from maybe the opening one, the most anticipated group game um, is South Africa against Ireland. Right, uh, you're welcome to call us. You're welcome to text us. Text number is the Temper Bear Post text line. Double eight, double three, or you're welcome to call us 0800 811. Give us a bell. We'll come back after a break. Welcome back in. We go to the phone lines. Darren and Aussie. G'day, Darren. Hi, Stephanie. How are things? Brilliant. Thank you, sir. Mate, this, this match is huge. I think it's bigger than the All Blacks France match, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's, just, it's got that feeling to it. Just, oh, it's going to be mouth watering. I, I reckon it's going to be like watching a state of origin, you know, just, just trying to smash each other into pieces. <laughs> So, yeah. And so, we'll watch with interest as well. 
We'll watch with interest as well because well, we're, we're, we're due to play one of those two, aren't we, in the quarter? Well, we're probably going to be playing the winner of it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> Aren't Ireland magnificent but, uh, to watch, though? Like, um, forget who they're playing for. They're just aesthetically, I just find them such a pleasure to watch the way they play the game. Oh, they de- definitely. It's just, well, I was in awe of Ireland last year when they played us in the three three test series. I just, I actually preferred watching them to us, which I never thought I'd ever say. Mm. But it was just so fluent, and everyone knows what everyone's doing, and they trust in each other. Yeah. So it's um, yeah, I'm. I'm sure the English supporters can't wait for Andy Farrell to come and coach their national team. <laughs> <laughs> I saw some clips of a guy standing outside the stadium after England won their match and they're saying, oh, we had a win, boys. Hardly anyone was happy with the result. They said, we're awful, even though they'd got a bonus point win. They just said, we're awful. Yeah, well, at least they scored a try. So that's that's one step yes. forward for them. Yes. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, just with this World Cup, I think, like, Teams have really stood up. We knew Fiji were going to, which was great. But I, I was impressed with Wales against Fiji. I thought that was, um, you know, um, there's a few teams that have, that have impressed me. Um, and I hope Fiji make the quarters. I think that would be amazing if they could do that. Yeah, I think it'd be brilliant, not only for them, but for the game as well. And I feel like, you know how things happen in cycles? I was looking at their team. There's quite a few over 30. Um, this is their time yeah. to really go as deep as they can. And there's no pressure on them because they're always going to be the underdogs. So, I mean, and, and on their day, when they click, good, God help you. <laughs> yeah. If you're playing against them, it could be, it could be bad. Yeah, I, I love so, watching them, eh? They're so, they're so entertaining. So who's your prediction, Staffy? Ireland, South Africa. What's your prediction? South Africa. Well, I'm going Ireland. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> yep. I just feel yep. like South Africa are on an irrepressible charge. It's... Oh, they've got to me. They've got to me. And apparently, oh, even, even Itzabeth's going to be good to go, apparently. So. Oh, Jesus. Okay. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There we go. Okay, no, they, it'll be a ripper. I can't wait. I'm sure you'll have plenty of chat afterwards. I just <clears> hope <throat> cards don't get involved. That's my big wish, too. That is my big wish, too. Good man, Darren. Strap yourself in. We're in for some rippers. Good on you, buddy. Darren out of Aussie there. Great listener. As is John, who's become an expert of getting on at three and a half minutes to the news to take us to the news with the tune music. He knows how it works. John, g'day, bud. Yeah, g'day, Steffi. I think Ethan the Group was born in Australia too. Oh, do you? One time. Yeah, I think there was one time our whole front row, they had Tokyo Lomax and the group, none of them were born in New Zealand when wow. they were all started. Wow. Uh, obviously raised in Southland, but born in the Gold Coast. I'm going to look there that up go. immediately. Ethan de Groot. It yeah. says to me, um, it says to me, where, oh, don't tell me. Don't tell me he hasn't got a Wikipedia page. He hasn't yet. That's normally where I get where they were developed as a player at Southland Boys and Rose Southland Academy. No, I want earlier than that, don't I? Here we go. Uh, height, weight, education. Um, doesn't tell me where he was born. That's disappointing. <laughs> oh, yeah, here it is. Oh, yeah. Born in the Gold Coast. Yeah, I did hear that. Uh, yeah, I oh. heard that when they played South Africa a few years ago over in Joburg, they talked about it. Anyway, it doesn't surprise me that um, Samoa and Tonga, the majority of them, are born in New Zealand and Australia. Mm. 
Um, but in saying that, you know, all of them have heritage uh, from those countries. Absolutely. Not like, um, not like Scotland or Japan, where a lot of them have moved there mm. for their careers. Mm. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of South Africans living elsewhere, but probably not a lot of foreigners, Westerners, I should say, that live in that country. Mm. But um, just quickly, yeah, just on the, the Ireland-South uh, African game, I'm really looking forward to it. Eh? So, um, and I'm looking forward to the Aussie game as well. I think for me, I'm like you, mate, I think South Africa will win, but it was good what, um, what's his name? Williams was saying, the ex-Scottish uh, coach. Matt Williams. It's all about... Yeah, Matt Williams. It's all about how how they start. And if you saw when they played us at Twickenham, um, they slowed the game right down mm. to their pace, mm. and their forwards just went to work. And if Ireland lets that happen, because Ireland plays similar to us in terms of they like quick ball, they like quick phases, um, they just have a have a better structure because the, the players have been there probably longer in that system, and um, we see the fruits of that. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting game, man. I still think South Africa will win, and they'll win quite comfortably because South Africa have the better forward pack, and apparently they're going 7-1 again. Yeah, that's the rumour. That's the rumour. In fact, the coach was asked, do you ever think you'll go 8-0? He said, oh, never rule it out. Never rule it out. <laughs> well, there's the music, mate. There's the I music, mean, brother. You're yeah. a good man. Cheers, buddy. Oh, yes. Um, I think he said something like, when you've got players like Quagga Smith, who's a seven, a very good sevens player for South Africa, um, primarily a loose forward, of course, but he could play second five. He could probably even play wing. Um, I don't think we'll ever see an 8-0 because you need a halfback, don't you? Sure, you? At least you need a halfback. Anyway, we're coming up to the 1 o'clock news. There's a big match on Saturday night, apparently, uh, in Brisbane. The Warriors playing Brisbane. We've got a 260 game veteran out of the Broncos, Andrew McCulloch, after the news.